Blessings to you, my friend. This is Pastor McGee with Empowerment Ministries Christian Center, and you're listening to Empower the City Podcast. I pray today that your hearts are blessed, minds renewed, and you are infused with the passion to serve God like never before. Blessings to you, and enjoy the message. Absolutely. Do we still have our attentions from time to time? Absolutely. But but I wouldn't trade it for the world because I see the benefits of two people coming together on one accord. I, I really do see that. <sighs> but the risk is so big. The question is, if you're willing to take such a risk, you mean to tell me you you would take a risk like this without having somebody who is experienced to walk alongside you to help you to navigate from some of the pitfalls that the other 50% of people that automatically fall into. Are, are y'all with me in this place? We, we, we looked we look last week, we said 50% of men admit to committing infidelity in any relationship. 54% of women say the same. 74% of men say they would have an affair if they knew they would get away with it. 68% sisters, y'all ain't getting off the hook. 68% of the sisters say the, the very same thing. You mean to tell me with these type of statistics, you just going to jump into it and be like, I'm just going to give it a try. Why did I use the, why did I use, uh, uh, the number $30,000? Because according to statistics, let me pull it up. The national average cost of divorce is about $30,000, including attorney fees, court costs, and the cost of hiring outside experts such as a real estate appraiser, tax advisor, child custody evaluator. The cost seems more reasonable. When, you, you mean to tell me you're going to take that chance without... Let me move. So, so what I, what I want to say for, for the next 10 minutes... Oh, y'all think I'm lying? Time me. But time me with grace. I, I want to talk, talk primarily to singles that are pursuing or who do. Any singles in here want to get married? Make some noise. Where you at? Where you at? That show was weak. <laughs> like, eh, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Any singles in here been there, been there, done that, got the t-shirt, never going back, make some noise. Jesus. Any happy married people in here? <laughs> time. Are there any singles in here that have, <laughs> oh my goodness, have at least the thought of one day possibly getting married? Okay, amen. Right, enough advertisement. Sit down. I don't need you to sit down. <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> sit down. <laughs> So I want to talk to you guys just for just for a moment, and um, 
God is good. God is good. God is good. I don't know what's going on with A. It's a little warm in here, isn't it, y'all? Yeah. Can can you just check the breakers? Check the breakers. Go around. Just check the breakers. Make sure everything, everything. Um, I hate high church, y'all. I'm with y'all. I'm with y'all. I guess I better hurry up. So uh, this is what I want to talk to for the singles. There's there's a thing that uh, most of my singles, most singles in general do, um, and, and I'm talking in specifically Christian singles, um, that many of them do when it comes to dating, and they go into what I call relational isolation. Um, they go into uh, relational isolation. I'm defining relational isolation as establishing deep emotional ties while detached from trusted advisors. Um, yeah, and, and this, this can be very, very dangerous because watch this, the Bible declares love covers a multitude of sins. That's what the Bible says. And I need you to hear my heart, singles. That works great once you're married, but that really works against you when you're approaching marriage. Because oftentimes when you go into isolation, you can tie your heart to somebody. And when you get ready to bring that relationship to the light of people who you trust their opinion, you, because of your love, have minimized things that could be poison to the relationship in the future. So when you bring it to a trusted advisor, you want them to bless, but they see mess. And there have been many countless times that people have been mad at me because I refuse to bless what I see is, is a had this one, one beautiful young lady. She came to the church several years ago and uh, she decided to go her own way. And I understand she came to the church year, years ago and um, man, God did such a work, man. Where God brought her from, it was absolutely amazing. The transformation that happened in her life. And in about six months, she just kind of disappeared. You know, just asked about her. Nobody knew where she was. She, just gone. So she comes back, and the day she comes back, she, she came. <laughs> Pastor, I want you to marry me. I said, well, congratulations. So when, when, is the, when is the wedding? When you want me to do it? In two weeks. I said, I said what? In how many weeks? Two weeks. So, um, I knew I wasn't going to do it in two weeks because that's not my protocol. I got a general protocol, first of all. And I get so many requests to, for people to marry. I, I hate, I ain't going to say that. Yes, I am. I ain't going to say that, okay? I really don't like doing weddings. I, I don't, Jeff, I'm, I'm going to turn that over to you too. <laughs> you're going to be the, you're going to be the baptizer. You're going to be the wedding coordinator. You got it, man. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Hired. So, um. Um, I knew I wasn't going to do it because I, I, I don't, first of all, I don't marry people outside of the church. I made that a rule several, several years back. Um, and for, for me to marry you, you, you need to go through my premarital course that, that I do. So I knew it, <laughs> my, my course takes a little longer than two weeks. <laughs> so I knew I wasn't going to do it. And so I said, at least meet with you and the guy. So I, I sit down with her and the guy and they're cheesing and all that other kind of stuff. And I said, well, tell, tell me, how, how, you guys, how you guys met? How long y'all, you know, been dating? And she said, well, we've been, we've been dating for three months now. I said, okay. So tell me, how you meet, how'd you meet? Well, three months ago, I walked in the store. 
you did what? You walked in the store, and he was there, and we had conversation, and we've been dating ever since. I said, so, so y'all been dating for three months? Yes. How long have y'all known each other? Three months. And you want to get married in two weeks? So, of course, I told them. I told them, I will counsel you, but I'm not going to marry you. That's, that's what I told him. So he storms out, and she got tears in her eyes. And I, before she left, I encouraged I said, babe, I, as your pastor, I would encourage you not to do this. Take some time and get to know him. And then I posed the question to you, have you seen him mad yet? She said, pastor, he's just so sweet all the time. I, I know he's sweet all the time. Have you seen him mad yet? So long story short, and you know what I'm saying? I don't control anybody. People, grown people grown. They can do whatever they want. I'm not a manipulator. I'm not a controller. Grown people are grown. They went ahead and got married. She came back to me six months later in tears and pregnant and full of regret. Because now you can't connect it, and now you for sure connect it because you got a baby by him. This all happened because emotions were being developed in the dark and about time you brought them to the light where people can examine your heart in the relationship it's too late for you to listen to wise counsel because your love has caused you to minimize stuff that's dangerous so watch this if you're taking notes singles i need you to hit, hit singles let me hear you say yeah, yeah. that's a little bit better <laughs> watch this Relational isolation clouds reality. Relational isolation clouds. When emotions and feelings are vastly building, it becomes more difficult to become objective. We tend to minimize faults and only magnify good qualities. Already explained that. Here's number two. Relational isolation often leads to premature vulnerability. Yeah. Constant isolation provides a comfortable platform to reveal secrets of the heart. Now understand, this is why heartache often happens in a relationship. Because when you're in the dating or, if you're old school, courting phase of the relationship, you're just getting to know each other. And sometimes you give your heart away too fast. Do you know how you give your heart away? You give your heart away by giving your secrets away. The more intimate things they know about you, the... The more you put a trust in them, and you, and you got to be careful, especially my sisters, because watch this. It's, it's easy. I'm, I'm talking to Christian. I'm talking about to Christian singles now, because the the more the more of your heart he has, the easier it is for you to give him your body. I'm talking to Christian singles now, but because we want to, we want to, we want to approach marriage in a way that glorifies God, and you don't want to sow negative seeds prior to marriage that you're going to reap in your marriage. Be not deceived, for God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. If we sow to the flesh, we'll of the flesh reap corruption. If we sow to the spirit, we'll of the spirit reap, reap life. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, we want to sow good seeds. So there are some... <laughs> thank you, thank you. I'm, I'm going to share a story with you in just a moment. My, my mentor, Robert Johnson, my relational mentor when I was in college, there were certain things he told me not to tell my girlfriend at that time. Don't you dare share that with her. Why? Because this is personal. This is intimate. This is my heart. And if you give her your heart too soon and you find out, uh, are y'all with me? And you find out that this is not the one, 
you'll be okay walking away and not being torn apart because she didn't have. So what winds up happening, you move too fast, you give the person your heart too fast by giving them secrets too soon, and then you come to a bump in the road and you realize that maybe this is not the will of God, and you try to tear away, and it's hard to tear away because they got your heart. Why did they have your heart? Because you gave them your secrets. Having mentorship in your life helps you to have a filter of things that you reveal. Such a blessing. And my wife, praise God, she had the same thing. There, there were things that she didn't tell me until maybe four or five months before we were getting ready to get married. i never forget, she drove down from Hattiesburg. She was in tears. She said, there's something that I need to tell you. Yeah. Yes, yeah, I, I was saying too. Yeah. Oh wow. Oh wow. Jesus. <laughs> now, be honest. I was like, I wish you would have told me this two years ago. You know. Now, but watch this. Being this vulnerable, and it made her very, very vulnerable for me. But it was time because we begin to that place. Well, now let's put all of our secrets on the table. You don't do that on the first date, nor the second. Not a third. How is it he know everything about you when he just met you? Relational isolation hinders accountability. Accountability invites mentors to challenge, inquire, and question us so that our actions line up with our convictions. Now watch this. This was my relational mentor, Robert Johnson, still a great friend and mentor in my life today. Um, I, I don't know. I was 18, maybe 19 years old. I was in college like a freshman or a sophomore. And so this would happen. Uh, many of you guys know the story of me meeting my wife and you know, flat tire and all that other kind of wonderful stuff. So um, changed my wife's uh, flat tire. Uh, she, she invited me to dinner. About a month later, we started officially dating, you know, like calling each other. You know, I was like, if you like me, check yes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so that type deal, you know. So we, you know, we started dating. And, um, of course, I didn't, you know, some of my friends knew, but no one significant knew that, uh, Lady McGee and I were actually dating until we show up at a wedding where he's at holding hands. And he, I'm talking about in, in right as soon as the wedding is over, he just come up to me and he, he look at both of us and says, so, so what, what, what is this right here? What, what's this all about right here? I was like, here we go, girl. She, I don't know why she grabbed my hand. And look, my wife is confused because she's like, who, who is this? What's, what's up with this dude right here? Well, she didn't know. Watch this. I, I told him, before I ever met her, I told him that I want what you and your wife got. You know why I told him that? Because I never seen preachers in churches that I was around successfully pastoring and happy at the same time. Just carrying a wife. And the reality is, I see that in a lot of churches to this very day. You pastoring, your wife just sitting there miserable, waiting for you to, can't wait till you get done so she can get home and watch TV or do something else. So when I saw this dude, watch this, a young man of God, in love with God, in love with his wife, his wife always smiling, I said, I want that. So, so for him to come and check me right there in the middle of the, uh, uh, the, the wedding, some of y'all be like, oh, that's, that's, he all in your business. No, I gave him that permission. And that's some of you guys' problem. You hadn't given nobody 
experienced and trusted advisors. You've given nobody permission to hold you accountable. Let, let's, let's look at accountability again. Let's, let's look at it again. Accountability invites mentors to challenge, inquire, and to question us so that our actions line up with our convictions. I told him this is what I wanted, so this is how he checked me. How is it you want what I got, but you won't do it how the way I get, did it to get it? You trying to get these results, doing it your way, and you getting ready to wreck the ship in relational isolation. Is anybody in this place? Yeah. Look, look, look what the servant says. The servant says, I asked her, whose daughter are you? She said, the daughter of Bethuel, son of Nahor, whom Milka bore to, to him. Then I put the ring in her nose and the bracelet on her arm. The servant is convinced. I bowed down and worshiped the Lord. I praised the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who had led me on the right road. But watch this. Watch, watch this. I, I hear what you're saying, servant of Abraham. I, Isaac, if, if he was to hear about this, he'd probably already be excited. But what about, what about Rebecca's mentorship? Rebecca mentors, they seal it and they said, somebody shout, this is from the Lord. They seal it and they said, this is from the Lord. What are you trying to say, Pastor McGee? Who do you have in your life that is, watch this, number one, close to God, number two, close enough to you to help you to navigate through blinding emotions? Who, who, do, you, who do you have? Who, who, do you, who do you have? Hey, my son, I want you to, can, can you just, just take off and just, just run from here to chat? Just, just run. Just run. Like he got to show out. Look at that. Ah, I can do that too. <laughs> Go back, go get, go, 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 go. That's so good. That's so good. Now, come here, my son. Come here, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. This is what's happening to some of you guys. Some of you guys are running this fast like this. Some of y'all are running this fast like this. You can't see nothing. And when you can't see, it's easy for me to take you down. Leave me alone. I'm sorry. I quit, I quit, I quit. No, no, seriously. No, seriously. How are you running that fast? And you can't see. And the problem is you can't see and you don't know you can't see because you're in love. And let me just help you. Good sex ain't going to keep him at home. <laughs> sex is important, brothers. Let me hear you say amen. <laughs> but that ain't a... <laughs> <laughs> And there's some brothers, they, they'll dare you to, they'll, they'll say, well, just keep, you know, help trying. Let's see if it works. But at the end of the day, it's not enough. There's, there's some other in, ingredients that need to be in this relationship if it's going to outlast the sharks, the alligators, the demons, and everything else that comes against. Are y'all with me in this place? So look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you need a mentor. You need a mentor. You need a mentor. If, if you, watch this, watch this. If you are, and, and the key is, the key is somebody, watch this, that's close to God. That's important. Number two, close enough to you. Sometimes you see people who have a great marriage, and, and sometimes you'll try to recruit them to be a marital mentor, and they're close to God, but they, ain't really close, they don't even know you. And for them to be able to help you, they actually need to get to know you, and they may not have the time to develop that type of relationship within the frame of time that, you move, that you're planning to move forward in a marriage. Are, are y'all with me in this place? So, there is either somebody that's currently in your life that God wants to use to help mentor you, 
or somebody that he's going to bring into your life that you're going to actually build a bond, build a relationship. Because watch this, uh, Pastor Johnson, it was a lot of brothers around him that, that he spoke into their lives, that he encouraged, but all of those brothers weren't as close as we were. And because we had a closeness, uh, th there were certain things he was able to challenge me with because he knew my, he knew my sin patterns. There are certain places I would go and there are certain things that I would do that the average believer, Christian, pastor, teacher would see me and they'd say, hey, Greg, how you doing? And they would think nothing of it. But if he saw me there, he would know something is up with this right here. So in developing or embracing a, a marital, a, a relational uh, mentor, here is the, here's the role. And th this is the, these are the eight things that, that, that I do. And these are the eight things that a relational mentor should do for you if you choose to embrace them. Number one, watch this. They're going to check to see is your relationship God-centered and does it actually glorify God? At the, the, the very foundation. Does, does your relationship, is it heading in a direction that actually glorifies God? Number two, they want to know are you actually growing in friendship? I, it was, um, what's the name? I think it's Madagascar too. When, when the hippo, was it hippo? Hippo. And she was, you know, ran into the guy in the, in the mud. And he was like, I love your body. I love your body. I love your body. I love your body. And she was like, ah, I love my body, I love my body. But after a while, he was, she was like, is there anything else you love about me? Oh, uh, your body. You <laughs> understand? So, so, so aesthetics, they take care of themselves. Okay, it, we, we're not questioning, is he fine? Is she, is she fine? We're not questioning that. Do y'all actually like each other? Can y'all actually talk and have a conversation? Can, can you have a conversation without having to invite somebody else as entertainment for you guys to have a good time together? So as a marital, relational mentor, I'm looking at the relationship. Is there something? But, Jesus, that's too much. That's too much. Are you growing in friendship? Okay. When sex is done, you just roll over and go to sleep because you ain't got nothing else to talk about? Or do you actually have something in common that you can share? Are you clear on your biblical roles? of husband, wife, do you, I mean, do you actually understand, you're, you're pursuing something, do you know what your assignment, what your role is? Is sexual desire playing too big a part in your decision? And that's something you definitely have to be careful of because watch this, if, if, if lust, if lust is a, a guiding, if lust is a motivating factor for you getting married, understand the moment you get married, lust will turn on you because lust itself is sinful. So you will have a strong urge towards him. You have a strong urge towards her. Watch this. The moment you get, the moment is holy. All of a sudden, she ain't as attractive no more because lust is still in effect. Now everything else is attractive because before you married, being with her is wrong. Now that it's right, lust wants something else that's. I want to know how do you handle trouble? When you get upset, when you get angry, when you get mad, how do you actually, how do you process that? 
Are there complicated entanglements from past relationships? Is this some baby mama dramas? Do you have some maybes out there that you ain't, you know, really told us about? That's, that's real. Have you actually cut off all relationships? Have you actually severed ties in all previous relationships? Because you got to understand, it's, 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 praise God, I just didn't have this. But it's relationships that just because we ain't seen each other in six months don't mean that we through. And I want to know, do you have some of them out there? Because everything could be good for two years, but as soon as you see, boo. <laughs> it could be on again like it was two years ago because hadn't done change. Are there any unresolved inner tensions within your heart? I want to know what's, as a, as a spiritual mentor, I want to know what's actually going on in your heart. And then finally, here, here's the question. Do you want to marry this person? So I'm, I'm, I'm going to look sister girl in the eyes. I'm going to look brother man in his eyes. And I'm asking, do you want to marry him? Do you want to marry her? Because sometimes I've seen, I've asked this question, and I was surprised by the response. They weren't really wanting to marry him. They just wanted to get married. And he's just an available person. Do, here, let, me, let me highlight the other one. Do you want to get married? Do, do you or are you doing this to please your parents or your friends? Or are you, are you pursuing something because you feel like I'm getting a little older now and I just, I just need to go on and tie the knot? No, you don't want to do that. So this, th all of these questions, all of these questions bring me to points where I have to say, oh, man, I have to say, oh, man, yeah. I have to say to couples, individuals sometimes, that this is not God's will. This, this. I know what you say. I know what you feel. I know what you said he said to you. Uh, this is not God. Is it not God totally? I can't say that, but I do know it's not God right now. Now, understand, when you hear this from a mentor, when you hear this from a father figure, when you hear this from a pastor, grown people can be grown. And if you ever bring your relationship to me and I take you through premarital counseling, man, I'm going to be, I owe it to you to be honest. I owe, now, what you do with that is what you're going to do with that. And I'm going to love you regardless. But at the end of the day, i got to get blood off my hands. I'm, I'm sitting in the office with this, this guy and this girl in the same, same situation. They giggling and all that other kind of stuff. And so I, I set up a couple of se sessions. And, and I know, I already know, I already know, I already know, I already know this guy. He got a serious anger issue. I know it's there. I could just, you know why I know it's there? Because that's my struggle. That's my struggle. That's my struggle. Was it, it was your struggle? No, that is my struggle. I still process through that today. Do I still act out like a fool like I used to? No, I don't do that. I, I've learned how to bring myself under subjection, but watch this. I know the seeds of it is still there. Because I'm from Nagaport, you understand? <laughs> I see something in him that I know can rise up in me. So I asked brother man pointed questions about his anger and his attitude. You know what he did? He hit the, ah, uh, and walked out of my office. You know what I told the girl? I said, it's the table today. It's your face next month. And I said it just like that. It's your face next month. Now they walked out, and they ain't like me. 
But what was I supposed to do? See, let, let, me, let me tell you. My, my, I tell this example all the time, Mama. Mama called me, and Mama never called me when I was in college. <laughs> she never called me. My daddy called me, and she'd talk through the phone. Hey, honey. <laughs> How you doing? Mom picked up the phone, and she called me. She said, Greg, you need to talk to your brother. You need to talk to him. He lost his mind. <laughs> so Mama don't call me. We, we, I, I need to get out. So I drive down, down to the coast, figure out what's going on. Kirk made a decision and did something crazy. He did something crazy. You, you know what I'm talking about. He did something crazy. So um, I asked, I asked bro, I said, Kirk, uh, who you talk to about this decision, man? He said, man, I talked to some people. Man, I talked to some people. I said, who you talk to? He said, I talked to Pookie. I talked to Ray Ray. I talked to Shakika. <laughs> Anybody named Shakika in here? I talked to Shakika, <laughs> you know? And I said, I said, tell me this. Tell me this. Just, just erase that. Just tell me this. Who are three people that you honor and respect, and even if they told you something wrong, you would at least consider it just because you honor the person that they've been to you in the past? He named three people to me. And I said, now tell me, who are the three people that you told about this major decision? Three different people. Sometimes what the enemy will do, he'll play with your mind and try to console your heart by confessing to somebody who you know going to agree with you. <laughs> but when you're getting ready to make a destined decision like marriage, I don't just need people in my corner because sometimes, and, and watch this, when people come to a wedding, people are always happy because people love love stories, man. They love love stories. They love, I'm, I, I love happy endings. So there are times there'll be people even sitting in the pews that will see warning signs. They, don't, they won't say nothing because they don't want to ruin the moment. But I don't mind ruining the moment if it's going to save your soul, man. If it's going to save you $30,000 worth of debt, and that doesn't even include the emotional pain and baggage that you're going to need to be processed through. So that's the role of a, a, a relational mentor. Let's talk about the mentee. The mentee role, it, this is you. Somebody shout, this is me. This is me. And the reality is, mom, it's still me today because I still have a marital mentor. Yeah, I do. And I'm glad that I have it. And this is what he does. He jacks me up and he jacks my wife up too. Matter of fact, she hates to hear me say, I'm going to Hattiesburg. Because she know that mean I'm going to tell on her. Because <laughs> if you won't listen to me, you're going to listen to him. And he's going to be straight. If I'm wrong, he's going to tell me I'm wrong. If I'm right, he's going to say it to her in a way she's going to listen. So there's still, I'm a pastor. Yes, I've been married for going on 20 years, but I still submit myself to accountability so people can check. Are y'all with me in this place? You never graduate from accountability. Ever. Ever. I've given some of my fathers and my mentors the right to ask me tough questions, and I made the promise to them that I would never lie to them. Ever lie. You can ask me whatever you want, and I have several of them. They take advantage of out of the blue that we'll be at a party or we'll be at a church service or whatever, and they say, well, hey, Greg, how you, doing about, how you doing in this area? I don't care where it is. And you know what that does for me? It keeps me on edge. Because I never want to give a negative report when they ask me about a particular area that I struggle. Are y'all with me? So let's talk about the role of the mentee. The role of the mentee, number one, is to admit, to admit that you need mentorship. Actually admit, because if you want, because, watch this, watch this. The, the, the relationship of a mentor and a mentee, I believe that it's a God connection. And God is not going to waste the time of his servant, of somebody, of his servant, on somebody who don't think they even need that service. So you actually have to admit that I need it. I admit. 
I need it. I need somebody to keep me straight. I need somebody to challenge me. I need somebody to ask me how, I'm, how am I treating my wife. I need, a, I need somebody to ask me every once in a while, Pastor, are you keeping your pants zipped? You challenging your brothers to keep theirs zipped and consecrated to your, are you keeping your, I need somebody to ask me, Pastor, when the last time you looked at porn? I need somebody to consistently ask me that. How are your lustful eyes? How are you doing in your eyes? I need that. Because I need that pressure on me because I never know which one of my mentors is going to ask me. And every time they ask me, I want to be able to give them not just the right answer. I want to give them the answer that honors God. So I admit that I need it. Number two, maintain honesty and transparency. And those are two different things. Honesty is you being the truth. I made, I made that promise to them that I'm going to be 100% honest with you about whatever you ask me. Transparency, to me, that deals with how long it takes me to drag it out of you. And that's one of the things that I hate about counseling sessions. There are some people I have to use every counseling technique that I've ever learned just to finally get you to admit the whole truth. Watch this. Not just the truth, whole truth. Because, because I tell my children this all the time. Don't force me to use discernment when we can just have a relationship and you can be honest. I got to use spiritual gifts on my children. I got to show me stuff in dream. I got to prophesy. Because <laughs> you won't talk to me. Because watch this, the accuracy of my wisdom is based on the accuracy of the truth that you give me. And if you give me partial truth, I'm going to give you advice that won't work for you because I don't know the whole scope. I had Charity come to me one time. I said, babe, why you just won't tell me the truth? She said, because I thought you were going to get mad. I said, it's my right to get mad and don't take it from me. It is my right to get mad when you do something stupid. And don't take that away from me. Because you know what my anger says? My anger says I care. If you come to me and you say, ooh, somebody, somebody just went in there and stole a whole bunch of stuff out of the grocery store down the street. I'd be like, oh, man, that's messed up. But if you come and tell me my son was the one that stole, instantly I'm upset. You know why? Because I care about his destiny. And so when I get upset, that's a sign. It's because I love you. What I'm going to do may not look like love, but it's for you. I'm doing it like my mama said. I'm, I'm whooping you because I love you. No, you don't. You don't. <laughs> Transparency. Become comfortable with change. Somebody shout change. Uh, a laugh. He, he showed me an exercise um, like a year ago. Uh, those lunges. And so I've been trying to develop my legs. So I thought, just squat, just do squats. And I've been doing squats and all a lot of balance and all that kind of stuff. So he said, Pastor, man, you need to do lunges. You need to do lunges. So he gave me these little 25-pound 25, 25 weights. And, you know, you stretch out, you, you do that. And, and I'm like, this is for wimps. So I never did it. So I go to another guy. I, I fired him. <laughs> Actually, I wouldn't never pay him. <laughs> I fired you, though. So I went to another guy, and he told me the same thing. You need to do lunges. So I said, all right. So I started doing the lunges, and I went up 20 pounds squatting on the, squatting. I'm like, you, yeah, whatever. <laughs> you know, I really hated lunging. It wasn't because it looked wimpy. It was uncomfortable. It's all, I don't like being off balance. And, but doing it helped increase, let me move. Desire accountability above independence. Desire accountability above independence. This is good. 
because all of us are grown. All of us are grown. That means you can do your own thing absolutely, positively. Uh, but, but what accountability does, again, it places somebody in my life who knows what my convictions are, and they help me to make sure that what I'm doing is lining up with what my convictions actually are. Now, I, I could easily say, well, you know, I heard what you said, Lab, I'm going to do my own thing. But didn't you say, Pastor, you want to strengthen your legs? Here's the last one. Resist the law of equality where everyone is equal. This is huge. Resist the law of equality. Resist, resist the law of equality where everyone is, is equal. This is good. This, hey, my son, come here. This is my son right here. Love you, man. Good to see you, boy. My dude. Can you still sprint like that? Okay. Probably not. Okay. So this is one of my spiritual sons right here. Watch this. Love this boy. Love this boy. Hard worker, too. Hard worker. So watch this. If he's going to learn from me, he says, Pastor, there's some areas in your life that I really admire. And I'd like to learn the wisdom of what you did to get where you are in this area in your life. If I'm going to actually pour into you, you can't wake up with the attitude, well, I put my pants on one leg at a time just like he do. I'm a man just like he a man. And all that's true, except I don't put my pants on like I just jump. <laughs> See, you ain't know that. Gave you another secret. So you can't have this mindset of, well, I'm, I'm equal just like, no, no. Yeah, you a man just like I'm a man. You put on your pants one leg at a time just like I do. But at the end of the day, you need me to pour something into you. And how can I pour if you lift yourself above me or at the same level as me? If I'm going to pour into you, that means you got to humble yourself. You got to understand, in certain business rooms I go in, I act like I'm the stupidest thing in there. I don't say nothing. That's, I, I went to, what was it, Church of the Highlands, and they invited me in the back with all the pastors. What in the world I'm talking for? They asking me questions. I have no answers for nothing. I'm trying to get where y'all at, and y'all asking me how service. Are you serious? Service was fantastic. <laughs> I told them, if I do what y'all did wrong, I'd be better. You understand? So this, this, law, this law of equality, you got to resist it. You got to resist it. And you got to actually humble yourself because if they're actually going to pour into you, that means that God has given them something that you just don't, you don't have yet. And there's coming a day that you yourself is going to pour into somebody. But how can you rightfully pour into somebody if you ain't had nobody pour into you? Huh? Thank you, son. So I'm done. Moses mentored Joshua, Naomi mentored Ruth, Elijah mentored Elijah, Elizabeth mentored Mary, Barnabas mentored Paul, Paul mentored Timothy. All of these people's, Joshua, Ruth, Elijah, Mary, Paul, Timothy, all of these people's lives were better because they submitted themselves and became accountable to somebody that was further along. And watch this, because they submitted to somebody that was further along than them, they rose to a level that was greater than their mentors. We ministered at, at, at the funeral on yesterday, and um, um, after the funeral, my, my wife's family, most of them that never heard me minister, they came up to me, and they, you know, I, I, I know the difference between flattery and compliments. 
And there was some flattery stuff in there. I was, you know, it's some people, they're going to say you preach good no matter what you did. That's a good, good sermon, Reb. What I preach about, I don't know, but it sure was good. <laughs> some people. But this one guy, he came to me and he said, Pastor, I've never seen anybody arrest the attention of the audience like you just did. Now, that was a real compliment. He noticed that. What he doesn't know is that was one of the key things that my mentor drilled into me. Apostle Beer used to say all the time, son, don't you ever lose your audience. Don't you ever lose your audience. He said, if you lose your audience, you're wasting words. You lose them, you're wasting words. Because he drilled that in me. I started modeling what he did, things that he did on purpose to gain their attention. And what was funny, it was one lady sleeping through the whole funeral. I'm talking, she was like, <laughs> as soon as I got up, she woke up. So you complimenting something that I didn't get on my own. What you're complimenting is something that I received because I submitted to somebody who was doing it better than I was. And I'm telling you guys, for those of you, in particularly singles and married individuals who have whatever types of struggles in your marriage, things that you want better, there are people that are doing it better than what you're doing, it, doing right now. And if you would submit to their mentorship, your life would be better. I was thinking about this. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, there are just a couple of things I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episodes will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, if this ministry has impacted your life in any way and you'd love to help us to continue to impact the lives of others, go to our website, empowerthecity.org, and select Give Now. Thank you again for listening to this podcast. We'll see you next time.